You're listening to Rethinking It, conversations about changing our minds. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Stephanie Kerlick, a mindset and self-care coach reminding you to be kind to yourself and to take up space in your own life. Rethinking It is all about change. Through intimate chats between just you and me, as well as honest and thought-provoking conversations with some of my favorite people, we'll explore how our behaviors and beliefs have changed over time. And as we're looking back at the moments and experiences of our lives, we'll also forgive ourselves for not knowing more or doing better. Here's the thing, we're usually just doing the very best that we can in any given moment, and everything changes, including us. Even in the moments when it seems impossible or we think we have it all figured out, We can change our thoughts, our actions, our choices, and our inner dialogue. But sometimes we need someone else to remind us that we can. This podcast is your reminder that you can continue to grow and learn and rethink it all. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, For everyone that's just meeting you for the first time, would you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I am a certified holistic health coach. I studied at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, um, but my focus is a little bit more on mental health around body image, self-love, having, because it comes from my background of having dealt with disordered eating for most of my life. I grew up overweight, um, dealing with binge and emotional eating and having tried every diet on the planet to try to get myself to lose weight. And I finally come to a place where I'm learning to have a healthy relationship with food and a healthy relationship with exercise and with my body. So I love that. And, um, like you, I also went to IIN and then, um, started with sort of the more traditional health coaching, more like food related and also transition to more of the emotional side. Yeah. Um, because really at the root that, that is it. Um, exactly. And, um, one thing that I love that you, um, share about is this idea of being in body prison. And I would love if you could explain what body prison is, how we end up there and then how we find our, you know, break free from that. Yeah. I think so many of us, like I hadn't even realized that so many women and just anybody in general struggles with body image for the longest time. I believed that it was just me because I was like naturally bigger. So I thought it was only like naturally bigger people struggled. And like, then I heard like thin people telling me that they struggled and I was like, what? Like, why would you ever struggle? So I think we have this idea that like, if you're thin, you don't struggle or whatever it is. Or like, I had that idea. Um, And I feel like we're all walking around feeling like we're prisoners of our bodies. And part of it is from seeing all these images in the media and in magazines and on billboards and all that kind of stuff, TV, where you see like these perfect quote unquote images of people. um, And we feel like we need to look like those people to live up to like society or to, to be accepted and to be loved. And so we're all walking around feeling like we're these prisoners of our bodies and, um, one thing I study, of course, in miracles, and one of the lessons is I am not a victim of the world I see. And I try to apply the lesson. I changed it to I'm not a victim of the body I see. So we tend to get caught up in like self-victimization, like through no fault of our own and get caught in like these dark thoughts about our bodies and like not feeling good enough and like, you know, having stomach rolls and cellulite and stretch marks. And like, I mean, now with the body positive movement, it's becoming more common for people to realize that like that is normal. That's what bodies look like. But um, it's still like we get caught up in this like trap of feeling like we're prisoners. And so I think it's important to realize that you can take steps toward freeing yourself. And it's not easy at first because it's kind of like um, you do tend to get caught up in like the victim mentality. And I'm not saying that that's bad or wrong, but it's like learning to recognize, okay, like we have two choices. We can learn to look at our bodies in a loving way, or we can choose to be fearful around them. And we're so caught up in the fear that it's hard for us to choose a new perception and to see ourselves in a loving way. And I think part of it too, is not identifying ourselves as being the body and like recognizing that like our true self is love and to recognize that. So it's almost like this, even the part of the self-love movement is saying like, you know, like look in the mirror and 
and say that you love yourself. But I think for me, that doesn't work because to, for me to like stare at different random body parts and to say, oh, I love this body part. I love that body part. is kind of like not getting to the root cause of the issue. Because to be honest, like I can love myself and still hate the way that like my stomach rolls look. And I think there's nothing wrong with admitting that. So I think that's like one of the first steps to like getting out of that body prison is to like recognize like, okay, like maybe I don't like how this looks and that's okay. Because I feel like, again, like the body positive movement has been helpful in so many ways. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like sometimes like people are afraid to admit that they don't like certain parts about themselves. And to say that you don't like a certain part about yourself is like bad or wrong. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, with, with saying that you don't like a certain, you know, way that you look um, and wanting to change your body too. I think it's okay to want to change your body as long as you're coming at it from a loving place and you're recognizing that you're not trying to like go to an extreme to manipulate the way that you look. Yeah, I think that idea of self-love being, I love myself completely all the time, right. forever and ever. Yeah. Every inch of me, every feeling I have, that to me isn't self-love. That's like self-deceit. I mean, you're- Exactly. I agree and, with you. And you can repeat these affirmations all you want. You can look in the mirror and that can be really powerful work too. But yeah, for me, the way I think about self-love is I love myself enough to acknowledge that, yes, I am enough and I am whole as I am, but that doesn't mean that I love every single thing about myself and I can get honest about that and make good informed choices so that I'm actually nourishing all parts of me instead of just like slapping on an affirmation and like pretending. Yeah. Comfortable in my skin because that feels like prison to me. That's exactly like prison. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And that's like a little bit of where I've been frustrated at the body positive movement because it's kind of like saying, well, you have to do that in order to love yourself. And I'm like, and that's exactly the way that you said it. That's not necessarily true. And it's okay to say that and to like recognize, like, okay, at our core, we are love. And if we can like learn to get back to the root of like who we really are, that's where we start to strip away the layers and get to like the root cause of like, you know, what's really going on here. And you can learn to like take the positive steps to, like you said, nourish your body and take care of it in a loving way. And that's like where I think self-love really stems from is like looking at it and thinking like, okay, why am I being so harmful towards myself? And that's how you can begin to free yourself is by letting go of that idea that you're this prisoner and that you have no power over anything with regards to your body. Yeah. And, and body prison, I think it go. I mean, a body image and the, the messages that we're sold about what we're supposed to look like. I think that's a huge part of it. But I also think it, I mean, one, it, it's just hard to be living a life in a body. Like it's hard yeah. like hearing this around with you. There's a lot of things that happen. And then when you layer on like the body image and the messages, and then you know, for me, the body prison that I've felt most trapped in, yes, I'm certainly victim to all of those images and I need to be this size and I need to look like this. And I should, you know, I should be taller and thinner and wear better clothes. But for me, the real prison has been um, being around like the chronic illness piece for me because I've never felt well. And so I've always felt like my body has failed me in some way. And so right. I, I feel trapped. Like I want to be, you know, living this different life or more active or more engaged. But then I feel like my body is failing me. And then my, I, I am existing in my body. So it, it does, it has been a real struggle for me to even free myself from that type of body prison of just this notion of what our body is supposed to be, look like, and be able to do. And when that doesn't match um, with what's happening in that moment, yeah, you really do feel completely trapped. Yeah. I love what you just said because I honestly have never thought, I mean, so I have chronic pain too, as you know, and chronic illness. And yeah, I do feel like sometimes like I went to have a personal training session at the gym yesterday and the girl was like having me do certain exercises. And I'm like, I can't, like my pain in my lower back is flaring up. And like, I've had a headache 24 seven for several years and I have pain in my head, neck and shoulders. And she's like, how do you manage? And I'm like, I just deal with it. Like, I've just learned how to deal with it. But it, it is frustrating, especially when I am working on my fitness goals to like know that there are certain things that 
I can't do. And I'm like, I just want to be able to feel normal. And how, how would I be able to do this exercise differently if I could, you know, if I didn't have this pain to deal with. And I just kind of like, you know, I've been to so many doctors and I've done so many things and nothing's worked on me that I've just kind of been like, okay, like I'm just going to deal with it. And, and, but I've learned how to like deal with the limitations of knowing like which exercises I can and can't do. But I, I completely agree with you. It's like, you do get frustrated because you just want to feel like everybody else or you want to, or I mean, you know, be able to perform in certain ways or whatever it may be. And you're just like, why am I having to deal with this? Like why, you know, it's, it's, super frustrating. And it's, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. I've had to do a lot of work and probably always will because these are chronic issues and they're not going to go away um, with being sort of extra gentle with myself. And even with my body, like I have had to be in this practice of forgiving myself and, and also just trying so hard not to compare myself. And it, you can get trapped in it um, cause compar- comparison is everywhere, but also when you, oftentimes when you have a chronic illness, a lot of what's going on is hidden. Mm-hmm. You might have some outward symptoms that people can see and feel and understand, but for the most part, like chronic pain, um, you know, which I, like you, I'm also constantly in pain. I've had a headache most of my life. Um, and sometimes I can't walk and sometimes I drop things and, mm-hmm. um, I've had to to sort of every day check in with how am I feeling today? How, you know, and, and get comfortable with that and forgive my body and then do it again and again and be extra gentle with myself because otherwise, yeah, for years I was at war with it. And I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. (laughs) And I would, you know, that just never worked out for me because then I would overdo it. Um, and then end up in bed for days. And, and that isn't a healthy place to be. So I think um, the idea of, and I've heard this from, from several people that experience chronic pain, I just manage it. And other people can't really understand that. And I'm right. also the same, like, I don't say every day to someone, oh yeah, my head really hurts today, or I'm having trouble walking because it's every day. It's not like a rare thing. Um, but when you talk about, oh, I just manage, what does that look like for you? How do you manage? And then how do you forgive yourself and be gentle with yourself and move through the moments where you're just tired of managing? Yeah, no, I, I think you bring up really good points, like the forgiveness point and managing it. And it's like, you know, in my everyday life, nobody would ever look at me and think that I'm in chronic pain because and so part of my managing it is like, not that I'm faking it, but I just let myself be myself and I don't allow myself to become a victim of the pain and not to say that it's not what you're experiencing. Like you and I are both experiencing it. So we know what it is, but I choose not to like, not tell everybody again, not because I'm faking it, but it's just because like, it's not necessary for them to know. And so if I'm able to manage like my day-to-day tasks without it interfering, then that's part of managing it for me. Um, and I try to go to get massages. I should go more regularly. Like there's the should word is like, you know, there are things that we know that we should be doing more of. Um, and thankfully I have a masseuse who's really good and like knows how to deal with the pain that I have because there are other people that I'll go to and like the next day I'll wake up feeling way worse. Um, and it's just funny because sometimes I'll say that I'm getting a massage and people will be like, oh, I'm so jealous. And I'm like, no, like you really, I promise you, you're not like, I get a massage and they want to cry because it's so painful. Um, so that's part of managing it for me. And just, just, I think exercise, which sounds funny because there, there were, have been times like several years ago where I was like, there's no way I can exercise because I felt the pain way more in my body. Um, I still feel it, but I think it's just kind of, I don't know if I've become like numb to it. And same with the headache pain. Like I have, the headache is more like, I guess it's like a regular headache. I don't even know what a regular headache feels like anymore, but like a little bit heightened. And there are days where it would get way, way worse. And thankfully those days have become fewer and far between. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like, you know, knowing like there are certain days where I'm in too much pain, like there's no way that I can exercise. Um, and taking the time to like, you know, relax and not feel bad about that and eating nourishing foods and I'm not going to say I eat perfectly all the time. And I use the word perfectly loosely because I will like eat, you know, ice cream or like cake or whatever. Um, But like being aware of like what might flare up my pain. Like I know red pepper is killer for me. And 
I don't know if all the nightshades are because I feel like because red pepper is a nightshade and for people that don't know like I don't even know like what the technical definition of a nightshade is but it's like you know peppers eggplant um I remember potatoes tomatoes yeah tomatoes um but I feel like I can eat tomato and I'll be okay like I don't notice the flare up in my pain but like red pepper is like will kill me so I will not <laughs> I won't eat red pepper um yeah and I think like I'm trying to incorporate more meditation I used to be better about it um and I think also like you said forgiving yourself I think that's so important and recognizing like okay this is an experience I'm having and not trying to be at war with it like you also pointed out um and just trying to like I guess it's just like dealing with it like that's what managing it is it's just like dealing with it and just like doing the best that you can each day, like when you get up and, you know, I try to go about my daily life as normally as possible. Um, yeah. And then like the forgiveness aspect, I think it is important to remember, like, you know, like looking at that and being like, okay, this is just an experience I'm having. It is not like who I am. And like this body may be in pain, but you know what? It's, I'm here, like I'm alive, I'm breathing, like I'm doing the best that I can. And, you know, there have been times where I like broken down in tears, well, multiple times because like the pain gets so bad. But yeah, I think it's just like, I've learned to, to accept it. I think it, I think acceptance has been become part of it for me. Um, and like, I pray that one day the pain will go away, but I also become aware that I'm like, okay, if I have to deal with this for the rest of my life, I have to deal with this for the rest of my life and I'm just going to live the best life that I possibly can while I'm experiencing this. Yeah. I think that, it, I think what you just said about the acceptance is so important um, because at least in my experience for so long, I fought against it and I was just like basically all of high school. Um, my, all I was focused on was trying to, you know, cure this pain and it was doctor after doctor mm-hmm. and pill after pill. and treatment after treatment and nothing worked. Um, and then I went to college and I just, you know, lived a college life and there would be times where I couldn't get out of bed, but for the most part, I like pushed through it slash probably drank through it because yeah, I was in college. Um, Mm -hmm. but what I really came to, you know, probably six, seven years ago was instead of fighting it, accepting it like you just said and then trying to create a life for myself that accounted for it and that would maybe minimize it a little and that's Mm -hmm. for me um you know I try and find you know positive aspects of you know the more challenging moments and for me a huge positive aspect that has come out of this life of chronic pain has been a commitment to showing up for myself in a different way. Um, And it came out of desperation. I had seen all the doctors and tried all the things and nothing worked. And so, you know, um, someone had said, you should really meditate and go to yoga. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) crap. But I tried it and I, you know, cut out um, foods that it turns out that I was allergic to or was super sensitive to um, or just caused a lot of extra inflammation in my body. I started meditating. I started getting more sleep. I started drinking water instead of only coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things, it was like magic to me that my pain minimized. Um, and now for me, when my, you know, I, I always have like you at least some pain. Sometimes it's extreme. Sometimes it's more like that dull ache, but it's always there. Right. But when it does spike for me, um, it typically I can trace it back to, um, mo- you know, not showing up for myself in those ways, like staying up too late, working too hard, and this happens more often than I than I wish it would, um, or you know, not you know, not having any of that stillness, forgetting to breathe, not drinking enough water, and it's so it tends to be a good reminder for myself to slow down just breathe a little, drink a little water and go to bed um, and, and try and just sort of reset that self-care because if that's not there, then yeah, I'm in pain to the point where I can't function. Yeah, no, I totally like agree with everything you said. And that's also, I think a big part of loving yourself is taking care of yourself and doing 
the most loving thing for yourself that you can in that moment. And if that means like not going out to see people and like staying home and taking care of yourself, like that is self-love, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. So if we go back to that idea of self-love that, um, you just brought up and we talked about a little bit ago, I think, um, there, I really have a lot of problems with sort of this, this romanticized version of self-love. Um, and I certainly bought into it and I thought until I loved everything about myself and until, you know, until my life was unicorns and rainbows all the time, (laughs) then I, that wasn't self-love. Um, and self-love and self-care, I think sometimes are interchangeable, but it's that more like, um, the version that we see like on Instagram or, you know, um, on movies and TV, it's like, oh, you, you know, if you really love yourself, then you are, you know, indulging in all of these extravagant, like self-care rituals. Right. Um, you know, like you might get massages because it's the way you manage pain. But I think people often think like, oh, getting massages and getting your nails done and going out to like really nice restaurants and that you have, those are ways that you love yourself, like buying the latest yoga pants, drinking the green juice, even if you hate it. Um, and so how have you sort of navigated that more, um, material side of what self-love is to find a place where you really, um, feel like you can actually love yourself in a real and meaningful way? So for me, it goes back to, um, my mind, like, and again, like I base everything that I've like worked towards healing has been based off, I mentioned earlier, Course in Miracles and learning to get back to like the root, you know, the root is like, what is going on in my mind? Like, am I making this choice from fear or am I making this choice from love? And I think sometimes like some of those external things that people choose to see as self-love can come from a place of like ego mindedness. And I'm not saying that as a judgment or criticism, it's more like, oh, look what I have. And like, look what I can do. And like, so like they may be loving actions, but if you're not taking them from a place of like love and you're taking them from a place of fear or like wanting to show off or like trying to keep up with society, like to me, that isn't self-love, just like you said. So for me, it's like coming back and looking at like, okay. And for me, like my biggest struggle has always been around food. And a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing online too is about like, you know, eat whatever you want. Like who cares? Like F society that says like, we shouldn't like be allowed to eat whatever you want. For me, that's been more damaging. And I've had to recognize that for myself because I did kind of get caught up in the trap of like, oh, I can eat whatever I want. Like it doesn't matter. But a lot of the people that post about things like that um, have struggled with an eating disorder in the opposite sense. Like they're people that have, you know, always overexercise and undereaten and like, you know, trying to manipulate their bodies to be smaller. I've always had the opposite problem, quote unquote, same. It's like two sides of the same coin. Like I've always overeaten and like not taking care of myself, not exercise and just like let myself fall into a spiral where like if I, you know, didn't get to the weight that I thought I wanted to be, I'd be like, well, forget this. I'm not even going to try. Like I'm going to eat whatever I want. And so like getting caught up. So I had to come back to like my mind, like, okay, like when I'm choosing a decision, like how I'm going to be loving towards myself, for example, with food, like, am I making this choice because I'm fearful or I'm using it as a way to sabotage my efforts? Or am I doing it because I'm actually like wanting to like, let's use a cupcake example, right? Like I remember like there was a time that I was like frustrated and mad about something and I was like, F it, I'm just going to go buy a cupcake and eat it. And I ate it and it wasn't even that good. And like, I wasn't doing it from a loving place. Um, whereas now I've like come to the awareness of, okay, like I'm going to eat a cupcake. Am I doing it because I actually want to, and it's like going to nourish my soul or am I doing it because I'm like being hateful towards myself? So I apply like that mind, um, aspect to like everything that I do. So if I like feel guided to go get my nails done and I do like to get my nails done regularly, um, I will go do that. But for me, it's just like, I don't even say like, oh, I'm loving myself. I'm going to go get my nails done. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go get my nails done. And that's it. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, I love that sort of going back to your mindset and like, why am I choosing this? And it could be, it could be around food. It could be a decision. It could be, you know, engaging in a relationship or not walking away from a relationship or not. I think, you know, returning to that very simple question of like, what is my motivation here? Um, 
to also have that sort of real talk with yourself because so t- so often we get caught up in the I should um and that could be you know based on stories you've told yourself of what you should do what other people mm-hmm. told you you should do what other people are doing you're like oh if I do that then I'll have that life um, right and so returning to what do I want why do I want this I think that's and it's such a simple practice that anyone could incorporate, you know, on a very small scale, just, you know, checking in with yourself, like, why, why am I about to engage in this behavior? Why, yeah. I, why am I reaching for that, that food? Why am I, you know, doing anything? Why am I, you know, why am I going to the gym? Do I even like going to the gym? Right. I need to go to the gym and maybe I would rather go to Pilates or maybe exactly. I'd rather just take a walk in the woods with my dog. Yeah, it's so true. And I think um, the other thing that's been important for me is like, and when I'm engaging in those behaviors where I know I'm being harmful to myself, it's like important also, like if I'm going to do it to kind of like, I've had to train myself to look, take a step back and like witness it without judgment. So like sometimes I'll be aware that I'm about to do something that isn't loving, but I'll go ahead and do it anyway. But it's almost like I'll kind of watch myself and be like, oh, that was interesting. I wonder why I chose to do that. Like, Am I just like you said, like, you know, am I going to the gym because I really want to or like what's happening here? So like, why am I, why did I choose to do that? Like, why was I choosing not to be loving towards myself? Like, what was the real reason? Am I like fearful because, you know, I'm scared to like actually like feel better in my body? You know, it could be something like that because that's been my biggest struggle. I think it's like almost like I've sabotaged myself because I feel like I deserve to like not feel good. And it's almost like, I mean, I already don't feel good because I'm in pain, but so like perfect example is yesterday I went to um, have a personal training session and like I'm not afraid to admit this, like the girl weighed me and I haven't weighed myself in forever and I weigh 200 pounds and I was like, oh, okay, like I weigh 200 pounds. Like in the past that would have like freaked me out. I would have been freaking out and been like, I need to go on a diet. I need to do this. I need to do that. But I've learned to like come to this place of acceptance and also like, I'm like, okay, I didn't, not that weight, like I don't like to like define myself by a number, but I think part of it too is I've been smaller before. Like I've been to the point like where I was like 145 and I had to manipulate myself to get there. And I know that my healthy weight is like around 160, 165. Like that's where I feel my best. Um, but like I was talking about earlier, I, I was getting to that place where like, oh, it's okay. I'll just eat whatever I want. And I gained weight. And I think it's important to recognize like if you do want to lose weight and like there's nothing wrong with like being 200 pounds. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. For me, that's not where I feel my best and where I want to be. Um, but I've come to a place where I'm like, okay, like that's what it is. Like that number doesn't affect me or change who I am. Like, honestly, like it's, it didn't bother me. And, and it took me a long time to get there in the past. I would have, like I said, freaked out. Um, and now like I'm on a path where like, I'm like, okay, like I signed up for personal training sessions. I'm going to work out. I'm not going to like overdo it and go crazy. Like I already eat relatively healthy. Um, but it's like finding like my healthy balance and getting back to that point where I'm healthy and also recognizing like, okay, if I am choosing to sabotage myself, like, why am I doing this? And like, the interesting part was like, after my session, like I had these gummy bears that I'd bought earlier in the day and I'd already eaten some and I went ahead and ate, ate them and not that it's bad to eat them. But again, I was like, Jennifer, like, why are you choosing to eat these when you know that like you have your goals and like, you know, and I kind of like took a step back, like, and did the whole witness without judgment. And I was like, okay, like, and I know that there are certain foods that I can have around the house that like, I like might've binged on years earlier. And now I'm like, okay with having them. And then there are certain foods where I'm like, you know, after last night, I was like, okay, I'm not going to go on my candy just like that. And not that it's a bad thing to eat candy. It's just like, I know that's still a trigger for me. So I'm going to stay away from it. And I think that is a very loving thing to do as well is to like, recognize like, what works for you and not to go with like what everybody online is saying about like, you need to do this, you need to do that to love yourself. And it's like, like what works for you and like what based on like your past history with your body and like your body image and you know, your weight and everything, like take that into account and really look at it and be able to see like, you know, this works for me. It's like better for me to stay away from these foods. And for somebody else, like it might not be a big deal, but like the way I look, like to look at it, especially with someone who struggled with food, like, Food issues is, you know, when someone is an alcoholic and they become sober, like they cannot be around alcohol, like they stay away. But with food, it's like, we need it in order to survive. So like, of course, so I think it's okay to say like, I'm going to cut out certain foods until I know that I can't have, you know, until I know that I, I can have it and I can't have it right now. And that's okay. And like, 
and I know that there's like the whole, um, you know, intuitive eating thing where you're like, oh, well, you shouldn't, you know, keep foods. You shouldn't restrict yourself. Like, I'm not talking about restricting yourself. I'm like talking about becoming aware of like what your triggers are. Like I'll still eat, like I learned how to have ice cream in the freezer and not eat it all. So that's like the difference. Um, and I think that can be like, self. it's another form of self-love is like recognizing like, you know, what's best for me right now in this moment. Absolutely. And I think it takes a lot of work um, to get to that place where you can have those honest check-ins with yourself because otherwise, you know, if you haven't done the work yet and you're at the beginning to, you know, ask yourself, is this a loving act or am I doing this to sabotage myself? Your gauge isn't, isn't configured right, right? So you can't right. see it clearly. Oh, um, yeah. And that's where I think it really does take a fair amount of work, whether you're working with coaches, therapists, you know, trainers, you know, yourself, you're, I think it does take, you know, that journey to be able to ask yourself these questions and answer yourself honestly, because we often tell ourselves what we want to hear. Right. Um, and if you are on a path to sabotage yourself, it's hard to admit that. Oh yeah, um, totally. And then when you, I just think when you layer on body image and food, there's just so, so much, you know, weight around it um, in that, you know, it's all the messages that we receive. And so it's like a lifetime of damage. And when we're trying to undo that, it's really, I think, easy to be like, okay, I have to go all in. And and that could be where it's like, okay, I have to love everything about myself. And I, you know, no foods off limits. Yeah. Even though I might, you know, have an allergy or I might still be, you know, my default still might be binging. And um I just think it's it it's very personal. Um it's a very blurred line in this sort of wellness world of what is truly wellness and what's actually harming yourself. But you're pretend like it's guys yeah. idea of, oh, this is healthy. Right. Um, even though your intentions and your habits around it aren't healthy, even if it involves a lot of kale. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like, it's a form of self-hate masqueraded as self-love. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. And it's taken me a long time to get to this point. And there are days where I still struggle. And again, some of the stuff I see online is people are like, oh, I overcame like whatever, like my binge eating or my emotional eating. And I never, ever struggle and I eat whatever I want. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's what you're saying. I don't know if it's necessarily true. Like I know I've come a long way, but like, I don't think I will ever say that I never will ever struggle. Like I think always like there's going to be like that little voice in the back of my head that's like, you know, questioning, but it's like you said, it's a lifetime of habits that we're undoing and it's learning a whole new way of being. So it's going to take time. And I think it's important to like give ourselves that grace and to recognize that you know, it's going to take baby steps. And like you said, it's the whole all or nothing mentality. And I've done that so many times in my life. It's like, you know, I'm going to go all in. And then like the second I feel quote unquote, I would like, you know, fall apart and I wouldn't have like a middle ground. And now I'm learning to find my middle ground and my balance. And that's a journey. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, it's going to take steps. So yeah, I think that's super important for people to like recognize and remember because in our media obsessed world, it like, you know, people make it seem like they've healed everything in like an instant. And that's just, that's not true, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I, I, you see it with anything, whether it's body related, food related, you know, I, you know, having all these self-hatred thoughts and now I love myself so much. Um, you see it with money all the time. Yes. Um, And I think, I mean, this is at least my experience and the experience of every other human being that I know. Life is really hard. Yeah. And so you can heal a lot and you can have a lot of great days, but we all struggle with something at some point, right? It's not all perfect. Yeah. And, and for me, at least, it's very comforting when other people can admit that. Because then I don't feel like I'm the only freak out there still struggling. Yeah, I completely agree with you because it's like, it's this whole, you know, people make their lives seem perfect and, but behind, you know, the perfect images, like what's really going on behind the scenes. And I struggle with a long time for like, with actually admitting that I still struggled. And I was like, oh my God, people aren't going to like, want to hire me as a coach if I tell them like, 
that I'm still struggling or I'm dealing with this, but honestly, like the people that I found and still follow are like the people that are relatable to me because they're honest and because they talk about, you know, the things they struggle with and are dealing with. And that makes them more human to me and more like, oh, wow, like she's dealing with it. Like I'm dealing with that too. And so you have more of like a connection. Absolutely. So how do you balance that being, you know, active on social media, running an online business and not getting caught up in that comparison and that scroll, scroll, scroll. I feel terrible about myself. How do you find a way to navigate that so that you, ha- you have clear boundaries for yourself? So I actually, there were a lot of, you know, certain accounts that I followed that I ended up unfollowing. Like anybody that I felt like, you know, body positivity or self-love that I no longer resonated with or I, that I didn't agree with, I just chose to unfollow them um, because. I would get caught up in that comparison trap where I would find people that are doing something similar to like what I'm teaching and I would start comparing and looking at that and thinking like, well, why do they have that many followers? And like, I have this number of followers and like, I'll post this, it's similar and I'll lose followers. Like what is going on? So I kind of had to like stop and be like, okay, like they're sharing whatever they need to share and they're reaching the people they need to reach. So you will share what you need to share and find the people that you're meant to reach and recognizing too that we all have a different way of relating whatever it is like whatever our message is and that the right people will find us but it's hard to like remember that sometimes in the moment especially when you get caught in like that comparison trap mentality um and I have kind of like pulled away a little bit from social media just because I'm kind of like you know trying to figure out like exactly how I want to I guess approach my messaging in a in a way that's like resonates for me and that might resonate for other people um and I found like even some of the stuff I will I would like repost certain quotes or whatever it might be and a lot of the stuff I'm finding I'm just like you know what this doesn't like resonate for me or like I'm I don't want to like quote the same things that other people are quoting so I've been like guided to like start creating my own and I'm that's something that I'm like need to start working on and we mentioned this when I was talking to you earlier about you know working full-time while you're trying to build a business and I think that's like been the hardest part is finding that balance because I do need to make money and earn a living. And sometimes like, you know, in the online world, it seems like people are just like coaches overnight. Um, and it's taken me a while to, to like put myself out there and, you know, I started slowly, but it was a lot of like having, not having to heal my own issues, but like I had to take a step back and kind of like after I graduated from IIN, I was like, okay, like, do I want to be like health coaching? Like, what am I going to focus on? And I, I just found myself like not wanting to be like the health coaches that like, you know, teach people how to cook and make smoothies. Like that's fine, but it just doesn't, didn't resonate for me. And so I kind of had to take a step back and like not push myself to start something that I knew that I wasn't fully ready for. And I think that's important too, is like, sometimes we see these people who are like, you know, like just go out and build your business. And like, you know, what are you waiting for? Like find your message, but and quit your job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I had to figure out like, well, you know, I had to pinpoint the areas where I was still struggling and like, it wasn't even like on purpose. It was subconsciously. And I just naturally found myself talking about the body positivity and body image stuff, but like also working on healing my own issues. And like I said, like, we don't have to be perfect in order to help others, but a lot of what I've learned on my journey is like what I now want to teach people. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, hard because like I have a life you know I have like I'm busy with my friends like you know I want to go to the gym and work out and like I work full-time so it's taken me longer to launch my business than I would like um so yeah I think finding that balance is hard and it's okay I think it's okay to admit that it it does take time you know and it's I can't just quit my job and yeah, I'm sure that people that do it, I don't know if like they get loans or whatever it is. And, you know, I do believe like, yeah, you take the leap and like the universe will support you. But at the same time, like you have to be realistic and not just be like, I'm just going to quit my job. And like money's like magically going to fall from the sky. Like it's not going to happen like that, you know? Yeah. And this is something that I've over the years really connected with you around because at least, and I, like you have tried to, um, you know, unfollow accounts that were maybe triggering me or making me just not feel great or that I didn't resonate with and follow more people that seemed real and authentic and living their lives. But I, in the last several years of trying to establish an online business, I felt a lot of shame and stigma around the fact that I have a full-time job 
to the point where it's almost secret. And I, and I didn't notice that I was doing this for a very long time, but I never posted anything about my, my job or my life outside of coaching. I only talked about myself as I am a coach. Um, and, and when I started to realize I was doing that, I was asking myself why. And I was like, well, I'm really embarrassed because everyone else seems to have this coaching business. And I don't know because I don't know most of these people who has you know, other work and who doesn't and what their circumstances are. Um, but I was hiding what is actually the majority of my life, which is that you know, 50 plus hours a week, I work in academic advising at a college and I post inspirational things on Instagram and coach people on the side. And that's okay for me to admit. And that is, is my journey. Um, but I felt so, like really embarrassed by that. And I, I can't, I shouldn't admit that I'm not just a full-time coach because then no one's going to hire me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is such a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Yes, I completely agree with you. It's it is it's crazy when you really look at that and think like, and like I don't have like a regular full time job, and by that I mean like I nanny, but I work like for an agency and I work in their temp division. So they send me out on different jobs and like I temp nanny, but I've been working full time in temp nanny. Well, I was nannying like for a family before that, but like for almost a year. And even that, like you were just saying, like I almost feel shameful about nannying because it's almost like people are like, oh, that's not a real job. Like, why don't you get an office job? And I'm like, I just don't like working in an office. Like, why would I do something that I don't enjoy? And like, I have a master's in education and like, I've worked with kids. Like I'm good at working with kids. I'm not going to say like, I love it. I'm not going to, I'm not saying that in a bad way. She's like, I'm realizing it doesn't light me up as much as like I would like. And that's part of the reason why I want to coach people, but there's like no shame. And I, but I've been embarrassed too about like admitting, like, this is what I actually do. And like, it's almost like people look down on you, even like, you know, being a teacher versus being a nanny. It's almost like, Oh, well, you're better if you're a teacher, but like nannying isn't as good or whatever, you know, it's just like crazy how we like judge other people. And like, you can't, you never know what somebody's path is and like why they're meant to do what they're doing. And so, yeah, I think it's important for us to like, you know, we're both admitting that like, and even the word like admit, it's like, it's like, you know, we're like keeping this secret. But yeah, I think it is because I hardly ever admit that that's what I do um, in order to survive, you know? And right. yeah, like I would love to be making money full-time coaching and I'm not right now and it's okay to admit that. So yeah. And I think that's just such a breath of fresh air because at least in the coaching universe that I I have been sort of immersed in it's everyone seems to be a full-time coaching no one admit like they'll like promote a product and no one ever admits that sometimes people don't buy it um, or your coaching programs don't fill up and you don't always have a wait list and um, you know I recently um, as of like two weeks ago um, at the time that we're recording this decided that I am stepping away from coaching because I you know it's been five or six years and I've been struggling a lot with this balance between my full-time job, which pays me a full-time salary and benefits, um, with my health issues and just being a human being, trying to live a life and being in a relationship and feeling like I had to spend every free waking moment hustling to try and grow this coaching business. And then a couple of weeks ago, I just like, this had been building for a long time, but I was like, you know what? I actually don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I am tired. I want to live my life. Um, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I want to pursue um, this dream I've had of getting, getting an MSW um, and becoming a therapist. And so I'm hustling, hustling like every, every spare moment, like, oh, I have to post this on Instagram. Oh, I, I need to launch this pro- program. I need to write this blog post that's going to hopefully lead to a coaching client. Um, and I just got tired of it and had to get really honest with myself. Like, why am I even doing this? Do And it goes back to that question that you talk about asking yourself, like, is this a loving action or is this out of fear or, you know, comparison or am I shooting all over myself? Like, and for me, it was, I felt like I should. I invested a lot of time and energy and money into, you know, this coaching business. So I can't quit now. And I'm like, you know what? That's a bunch of crap. <laughs> if I'm not, if it's not what I want to do right now, I can walk away from that. And I don't need to feel 
ashamed admitting that I had a coaching business. It never became the coaching business of my dreams. And I chose not, I'm choosing not to do it anymore. Yeah, no, I saw that. And I meant to comment and tell you, like, I completely resonated with what you wrote. Cause I have had those moments where I'm like, do I actually want to do this? Or like, do I think it's going to be like this magical thing? Like everyone seems to post about it online. And so I've, I've been evaluating that the past few weeks for myself as well. Um, and it is something that I do want to pursue, but I think part of it is that I've been scared because I kind of like my messaging is a little bit different or I'm like, you know, scared to say like, you know, it's not a bad thing if you want to lose weight, like, but I'm not coming at it from a place of like manipulate your body to lose weight. It's like, for me, like I want to lose weight, but I'm not focusing on the number on the scale. I'm looking at it as like, you know, I just want to get to my healthy part and to like kind of speak out against some of the stuff that's going in the self-love body positive movement. and. And I'm like, okay, like, what is it that you want to share with people? And like, maybe someone needs to hear this from a different perspective. So like, when I like get caught up in the fear around it, I'm like, I don't think I want to do this. Um, But then when I like, start to think about like, okay, like how, in what ways can I help people? And like, then I allow that to light me up. But I get what you're saying. Cause like, I have, like, sometimes I'm like, okay, am I coming at this from the place of like, I need to make money. And like, I need to like put out a coaching program so I can make a bunch of money. And like, then it's never going to work if I'm approaching it from that mindset. Um, Because it's like, I'm only focusing on like the outer part of it instead of remembering like, okay, like remember you're serving people and you're helping them. And like, how can you serve? And like, then as a result, like, you know, things will come together, but it does, it is a process to go through and to like think about, and it does take time. And like, you know, like the next few weeks, I'm like busy with stuff going on in my life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, well, when am I going to have time to do this? And part of it is like having to carve out the time. But I also think you shouldn't have to like kill yourself because some online coaches will say like, you know, if you want to make it happen, then you will like do anything and stop at no cost to like build your business. And I'm like, that's my, that just doesn't work for me. Like that doesn't resonate with me. And like, I'm taking it at my own pace. So I completely agree with where you're coming from and like the decision that you made to like step away from it. Yeah. And I think, I think your approach is, is right. It's that one trying to get not to get off the comparison train and you can still be a coach and have another job and build your business slowly and not want to hustle and sacrifice everything for in, you know, for the betterment of your business because then you're losing your life, right? Exactly. So that balance where you have consistent income and you're having a joyful, fulfilling life and you're doing the thing that you're passionate about and helping people and finding a way that works for you. And I, I'm finding a way that works for me. And some coaches are coaching full time and love it. And it's not hustling. And they, you know, talk about how it never feels like work. And that's, awesome and that I'm so happy for them. But I think it's hard, especially because the coaching world is also a mostly online world Mm -hmm. um, to get caught up in the stories that we're seeing or that we're just making up about someone because we saw their Instagram post and because they were drinking a matcha latte at 10 a.m. They must like have this perfect yes. life where they don't have to work really hard and they might be working really hard and yeah. also struggling. And um I yeah, I think this idea of sort of um peeling back like the veil of the coaching world is something I've really been interested in a lot lately because I I mean I fully admit I got sucked into um, you know, and not that anyone, you know, fed me this message intentionally, but I bought into I, you know, I'm going to become a coach. And as soon as I declare myself a coach, clients are going to rain down from the sky. (laughs) And within six months, I will quit my job and make figures. And I really thought if I just worked hard enough, that would happen. And what I've realized, and now obviously being able to take a step back, I couldn't see any clearly when this was happening, was one, that's not realistic for most people. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah. But also, I didn't even like, I didn't want to put in the effort because I, I wasn't really aligned with like, I was forced trying to force it to happen. And I love serving people. I love helping people. I loved the clients that I worked with. Um, but for me, I'm in a little bit of a different position because I do that basically for my job that pays me because I 
work with college students and I, you know, basically as an academic advisor, kind of like a life coach, kind of like a mentor. Um, and so I'm able to sort of feel fulfilled in that way. But yeah, I was forcing myself to do all the things that a coach was supposed to do without ever asking myself, do I even want this? Um, and that's where I think the through line of this whole conversation has been is getting really honest with yourself and being able to tell yourself the truth. Yeah, I agree with you. I think so many times we lie to ourselves and we're not, we either A, don't realize that we're lying to ourselves or B, like we like know it on like a subconscious level, but we're like scared to admit that we're lying to ourselves. So yeah, it is about like getting really honest with yourself and asking like, hey, what is it that like I want or like what, even like with life in general. And you made a good point about the whole, like, you know, someone drinking a matcha latte at 10 a.m. Because like my best friend, like before we actually like met in real life, like we followed each other on Instagram and she used to follow me and think like, you know, she'd see me going to Soul Cycle and like getting smoothie bowls in the middle of the day because I would post about it. And like, I was nannying full time. I was working like 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day, but I would get random breaks throughout the day. Um, and so I would go and like do certain things. And she thought that like, I didn't have a job and then I didn't do anything. And I'm like, oh, little did you know, like I was actually like working like crazy hours. And I wasn't even like intentionally trying to portray that I was like living this perfect quote unquote life. But my point is, is like, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. So someone can post about something and we make all these assumptions. And I think it's, it's fair to like remind ourselves that like we're making all these assumptions and making up all these stories about someone else. And like, in reality, like those things aren't true most of the time. And it's, so it's like looking at that too and recognizing like, okay, like what stories am I making out about these people and like how they have a better life or they have a better relationship or they have like a good body image or whatever it might be. And like, you really don't know what's going on with anyone at any given moment. Absolutely. And one thing that I have started to get in the habit of, and now that I sort of have let go of the idea of like having to use like my social media as a way to grow my business because I'm pulling back from the business side of things. Um, but one thing I've been trying to do is getting in the habit of every so often going back and scrolling through my own Instagram feed and asking myself, like, if, does this look like my life? Like, yeah, you, you're not probably going to show like, you know, every terrible moment of your whole life, but is this a fairly accurate representation of what it is like to be Stephanie? Um, because if it's not, then I'm lying. <laughs> um, and and it's more of a performance and that's where it's easy to just buy into, you know, the shiny, perfectly staged photos that we see. Um, and so more and more I'm resonating with accounts where it's people just in their everyday lives being honest about what's going on. Um, and that's the direction I want to move in just for myself so that I can feel like I can show up both in my actual life and in my online, you know, life. Um, more myself and less like, staged. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's part of the reason why I've taken a step back from social media because I'm like, well, I don't have like a photographer like following me around. And even then, like, I wouldn't want someone to. And it's like, I'm like, well, what can I, you know, I feel like we have to like, we have this idea that we have to post these like perfect images. So, like, I love that you're like, okay, is this really like what you know, I'm experiencing or what I'm living. And sometimes I just won't post because I'm like, I don't want to like post that I'm like drinking a coffee right now and like it's the perfect angle and whatever. Like, what is that really showing people? Like, you know, and so it's just like, yeah, stepping away from this all like fake images and just showing like, you know, real life and like what your real struggles are, like what you're going through. And so sometimes I just won't post because I'm like, I just don't feel the need to like show anything. And it's yeah. just, you know, taking a step away from that too has been, I think, kind of helpful for me. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I'll be completely honest. I still really struggle with this. And if you scroll through my feed right now, it's not an accurate representation of my life, right? Because I, you know, one thing I've been having a very hard time with is letting go of the perfectly like organized Instagram feed. Yeah. Where it's like every third image is X and like, I, the like sort of obsessive compulsive, like perfectionist part of me just loves that symmetry. Um, but it does lend itself to like something, you know, I'll want to share something and I'll look at my feet. I'm like, well, I can't share that color photo until three more images. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's so exhausting. I know. I know. No, I've done that before too, where I'm like, 
okay, well, I have too many, like, in real life pictures. Like, I need, like, a filler, like, white image. And then I can post, like, this in real life picture. Also, it's going to be too many in real life pictures. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, who cares? Like, but I, I completely agree with your, where you're coming from because it's, like, you have this idea that it has to look a certain way. So. Right. So I hope by the time this episode airs, if you go to my Instagram feed, it's going to be more of an accurate representation of my life because that is an area where I really am trying to like rethink my intention and what I'm using it for. And um, I'm just, yeah, it's too exhausting to like pre-plan all those posts. Yes, it definitely is. <laughs> um, so before we transition into my ending quick fire questions, um, if someone is listening and they've been resonating with the topics that we're talking about and they're feeling stuck and they're feeling like, oh, I want to, you know, go through this journey that Stephanie and Jennifer have been talking about. I want to get to the other side. Not that there is ever an end point, but mm -hmm. you sort of move through something and then are constantly reminded of it. What are a few very concrete you know, maybe one or two first steps that someone can take to inch towards, you know, breaking free of that body prison or finding a real true balanced idea of self-love? I would say like, I mentioned this earlier, but taking like baby steps, like don't try to like, you know, overhaul your whole like diet. And by diet, I mean like the way that you eat and try to eat healthy all at once and then join a gym the same day. And then, you know, try to like go sit in the mirror and say, I love myself. And like, try to do all these things at once. I think it's definitely recognizing like, okay, baby steps. So like one thing that you and I both learned at IIN was the idea, for example, with food of like crowding in. So instead of feeling like you have to cut out certain foods, like maybe try making a green smoothie in the morning. And if you hate the idea of green smoothies, like maybe just like look up like a healthy recipe and like maybe try one new healthy recipe a week. So instead of trying to do everything at once, like, and we do have like that mentality where you're like, oh my God, I have to like, get there like right away but and it's gonna take too long but I've wasted so much time like trying to like get there quote unquote and like wasted time trying to do everything at once that I would say baby steps is like super important and just being like kind to yourself and forgiving towards yourself and recognizing that it's a journey so it's like you know we all need to eat it's you know if we exercise like we feel better and so you're going to have to do these things anyway for the rest of your life. Like we need to eat for the rest of our lives. So like, how can we start to approach it from a different mindset in like, you know, smaller steps so that like by the end, like you are building up towards like, you know, changing the way that you may be eating or taking care of yourself. Yeah. I think that's so important is remembering that it is a journey and it's all of these little actions that you're going to take. And that's how you transform your mindset, your habits, mm -hmm. your actions, everything. You, know, you can't go all in because then you just burn out. Um, and that's not a healthy approach. And I also think, you know, I think oftentimes when we're thinking about wellness and what it is to be healthy, um, we think that healthy is being perfect. And uh, for me, what has been really helpful and what I, what, how I define healthy um, and, and taking care of myself is also acknowledging that I'm not going to always choose loving actions and ch loving thoughts and loving foods. Like I'm a human being and I have bad days and stressful days and emotional days. And you mentioned it earlier, like witnessing yourself, like, yeah, for me, you know, with my chronic health issues, there are foods that tend to give me flare-ups because they just create an excess of inflammation in my body and then I can't, you know, grip anything or I can't walk. Um, there are plenty of times where I know I'm about to do something that is going to have, you know, a um, more negative impact on myself. And I do it anyway. And I don't have guilt around it. I don't have shame around it. I just am honest with myself. Like I'm choosing this. I know that it, I know I might wake up with stiff joints tomorrow, but I'm going to do it anyway. And that's okay. And then I'm going to carry on with the rest of my life. It's not going to define me, sabotage me. I'm just going to do it because I want it or I want, you know, I'm staying up late because I have to work or I want to, you know, go on a date with my boyfriend. And then I'm going to deal with the consequences and move on from it. Yeah. You know, living in that hamster wheel of like sabotage and then hatred and then do it all over again. Yeah. Cause that never gets us anywhere. So I love that. Cause that is, that's, you know, 
you're not being, I love how you say like, you don't feel guilty about it. You're aware that you're doing it and it's okay. And I think that's important for people to remember, like, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. And like, you can do it. And like, yes, you might deal with the consequences, but then you can move on with your life and it is what it is. Right. And we're all grown ups here. Like we can all make the choices for ourselves. We don't have to make the choices that anyone else is telling us that we should be making yes. for ourselves. <laughs> yes. It's hard to remember that. I know. <laughs> um, so I like to end all of the episodes with some quick fire questions and then some that aren't so quick. Um, okay. But um, what song have you been listening to on repeat lately? Oh man, what have I been listening to on repeat? Um, I love anything by Halsey, honestly. And I love, have you heard the East Side song? With, no. Um, I don't, I'm not going to sing because I'm a horrible singer, but she sings it with a few other people. So like, I, I really like that song. Yeah. I selfishly asked this question because I don't know much about music. So that's what gives me a lot of good ideas. Um, is there something that you've been binge watching lately? The Americans. Like I've actually gotten into that show. Like I don't watch a lot of TV, but that like, yeah, it's a really good show. It's about these spies. Um, well, they're Russian spies, but they pose as Americans. And it's oh, is that based... with Carrie Russell? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's really good. It's based loosely on like the actual uh, these actual Russian spies that they found, and like the story's a little bit different. And it's funny because it's based in the DC area, and that's where I live. And like they name all these places around here, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's where I live, and that's where I, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, and it's a really good show. So, oh, awesome! I'll check it out. Um, what is a simple self-care activity that you return to time and time again? I would say, uh, I'm like, I wanted to say like journaling, but I don't, I'm not really bad at journaling. I want to say meditation. Like I go in and out of it, honestly, but like lately I've been guided to go back towards doing it just because I feel more at peace and just like remembering to surrender my day um to a higher power instead of getting caught up and like feeling like I have to do everything on my own and it is a practice like there are days where like it'll be halfway through the day and I'm like oh my gosh I didn't surrender my day so like I try to do that and to remember that like you know to trust that everything has been taken care of and to like follow my intuition so I think that is super important for me and getting back in touch with like that aspect of myself yeah and I love that because that is a super simple self-care activity that anyone can do. It doesn't cost anything to close your eyes and breathe. So I think that's such an important one to um, have for yourself, but also that others can actually start incorporating like right now. Yeah. Um, What would you tell the middle school version of you if you could? Oh my gosh. I would. So the middle school version of me was like, you know, struggling and feeling like different from everybody else and just telling her like, it's going to be okay. And like that, that little girl is like, she's all right. Like she's going to find her way. And, you know, and to, to remember that it's like, I felt so different because I was like bigger than everybody else. And to like, know that like, we're all the same and like who you like, what you weigh or what you look like does not define you. Yeah. I think that would be such a powerful message that most of us could have really benefited from hearing in middle school, because regardless, I, I feel like as I'm asking all the guests this question, pretty much we're all saying different flavors of the same thing. Like, I wish I could tell myself, you're going to be okay. You're not alone. Um, you know, you're good enough as you are. You're going to, things are going to work out. It's not as bad as it seems. <laughs> and it's also just, I mean, I, it's interesting and also heartbreaking at the same time to think like all of, you know, all, all of us in those years felt so you know, just isolated and different and separate and like it was always going to be that way. Um, so I, I really like asking this question, but it also breaks my heart a little every time. I know. And I think it's like realizing that we're all going through the same thing, but like nobody really talks about it. So right. it's like, we, like you just said, we all felt that way in some way or another. So yeah. Um, and the name of this podcast is Rethinking It. And so is there one thing that you um, thought about yourself that would never change and it actually has? Yeah, like I thought, I'm like going back to like the whole body image thing, like I always thought that like, I've learned how to like accept that like I'm naturally curvier. And I always thought that like I had to like be thin or else like nobody would ever love me or I would never be worthy of anything. And now I've come to recognize like, 
you know, it doesn't matter what you look like. Like it's okay to take care of yourself, but like, you're going to like, you're going to have the curves and you're going to look that way and it's okay. And like, someone will love that aspect about you. And like, you're still worthy and you're still lovable. And like, it is what it is. Like that does not define you. And like, I never thought that I would, that's part of like freeing myself from body prison is like recognizing, like, you know, that's just, like, this is the body I have and like accepting that. So that was, yeah, something, cause I've struggled with it for so long that I just never thought I would get to that place. Yeah. And what a powerful thing to rethink in your life because it brings us you know, back to the beginning of this conversation is being able to make peace with your own body and free yourself. And that, I mean, that is so freeing in terms of just how you move through life, but also, I mean, it impacts everything. It's being able to be comfortable with who you are. Um, and so that it's such a beautiful and powerful thing to have, you know, worked through. Um, and also proving yourself wrong, like that, that, you know, those are stories that you told yourself and that yeah. society told you and that were fed every single day over and over again. And, and maybe one day won't be, but for the foreseeable future, we are still sold that message. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's such a powerful thing. And, um, and your middle school version of you would probably be very proud of you. Yes, it's so true. <laughs> Um, well, I have really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, like I said, I connect with you and with so many things. I think there, you know, our journeys are very different, but also very similar in many ways. And I always appreciate that you keep it real. Um, and I, whenever I go to your feed, I always know that I'm going to get something that is true and authentic and it makes me feel less alone. Um, and so I just really adore you and I have loved this conversation. Oh, I have too. It's been, I was like so excited when you asked me to be on your podcast and like, even when you started the podcast, I was like, yay, good for her. Cause that's something I eventually want to do. So like you've inspired me in that aspect and I same like, I can really relate to you. And like, we met like all those years ago at Spirit Jackie Masterclass and I'm glad that we've kept in touch and like, you know, have each other. And like you said, like our journeys are similar, but different and it's so nice to have like other people who get it and like who are authentic. So thank you. Well, and thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Rethinking It. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe, if you wouldn't mind rating it or leaving a short review. It's the number one way that other people can find the podcast. So if you're finding value in it, along with sharing it with your friends and family, strangers in line at the grocery store, um, it would be really great if you could subscribe to the podcast and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 